Welcome to the Naughty Child Podcast with me, Richard. And me, Polly. I'm the dad. And I'm the daughter. And this is the Christmas special. 10 a.m. Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh my God! Santa here? I know him. I know him. He'll be here to... I've before I leave, I need to find that bag. <laughs> Alex Hartley took us off air in Brighton earlier this year. I'm a huge fan of Pepper. We thought we were really funny, so why doesn't everyone else think that we're really funny? She's the most relaxed captain you've ever known. <laughs> it's been the longest year ever, hasn't it? Oh, well, Manchester Originals aren't through to the Eliminators, so I've got to take us yeah. Well, my dog is now called Juliana's. Getting into England was quite a breeze, like... I just walk straight through. Sophie Eccleston's the worst. It's like having a child with you when she's on tour. Merry Christmas, Polly. Merry Christmas. This is Christmas Eve that we're coming out. Yeah, I mean, it's currently the 22nd. So not quite... I don't feel Christmassy, really. But I'm sure by the 24th, I'll feel very Christmassy. And once we've had our discussion about all things Christmas, I think... It all starts oh, yeah. here. It, it all starts, starts here. here. Yeah. Um, but before we get on to all the exciting Christmas stuff, there's just some general stuff I want to talk about. Um, so I'll try and go in like quick order. So first one, I don't know if you saw the, I think it was Victoria versus New South Wales game. i to think when it was, it was a few days ago. Uh-huh. Um, Elise Perry got 120, which was incredible as normal. Um, but obviously they had some interesting weather conditions and they had to bring the covers on and Elise Perry was already out there but the rest of the team ran on and were helping um like the grounds people put the stuff down and Elise just took it upon herself just lie down on the cover and I was I just thought that was great so this was um, it was pouring with rain pouring, it was so windy strong wind yeah. like headingly in July yeah so she just lay down there and I was like that's good the video is all over Trisha I found it really funny um but yeah next thing Australia um the episode came out, uh, we recorded before the episode came out after I received a very exciting package from Australia um, from one of our amazing listeners, Lily, who's a massive Adelaide fan. Um, and I'm currently wearing an Adelaide shirt. So oh, she yes. sent me two Adelaide shirts. One was a playing shirt um, and one was a training shirt from people that have played for Adelaide in the past, which is so, so cool. So I did send her a message after, after but just a public announcement, say a massive thank you to Lily. Well done, Lily. Um, thank because, you so much. Yeah, that was amazing. I did give her advice on who to support in the 100 as well, so doing a bit of a rundown. But um, yeah, um, um, so yeah, massive thank you to her. And then kind of staying with Australia, obviously Women's Ashes um, start end of January. Mm-hmm. So the squads are announced this week. So there's going to be the actual Ashes squad and then there's an England A side which are going to be touring alongside them. But I think they're going to be playing Australia A um, and that leaves the door open for the England squad if there's injury or people being rested and someone's been in really good form in the England A squad. Obviously, that's a really good opportunity. Um, so for the women's Ashes, I'll just go through everyone and mm-hmm. I suppose we'll, we'll speak after about it. So... Obviously, Heather Knight's captain. Tammy Beaumont, my Boucher, great to see. Uh, Catherine Brunt, Kate Cross, Frey Davis, Charlie Dean, again, recent debut, so exciting. Sphere Dunkley, Sophie Eccleston, Tash Farrant, Sarah Glenn, Amy Jones, Nat Silver, Anya Shrubsol, Maddie Villiers, Lauren Winfield-Hill and Danny Wyatt. So 
kind of expected. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the only ones that might have not been in there might be Shane and Charlie Dean. Mm-hmm. So it's really good to see them in there. And hopefully they'll kind of solidify themselves a bit more in the team yeah. over the Ashes. Um, then England A squad is really exciting as well. Um, so you've got Emily Arlott, who's she's been on the cusp of the England team for a while and was in the test team but didn't play game. Um, Lauren Bell, uh, Alice Capsey, which is just incredible to see. Uh, Alice Davidson-Richard, got caps for England. Georgia Elwes, mm-hmm. similar position. Kirsty Gordon, um, she was out in Amman with the team. Um, right, yeah. She's in the A squad. Um, Eve Jones, good old Eve Jones. And if she does not get a call up for the Ashes throughout this series, I am going to be slightly annoyed. Um, Beth Langston, again, caps for England. Uh, Emma Lamb, Bryony Smith, Ellie Thrillkeld and Izzy Wong. So... A very, very, very strong A squad as well. Um, I mean, Australia, Australia A will be incredible as well, but it's very exciting um, to see so many people going over. And I think it's a great idea to tour two squads at once. Yes, I mean, that's what the men's team are doing yeah. as well, isn't it? Um, although it doesn't seem to be helping them very much no. at the moment. I think they might have gone back anyway. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't really understand what happened with that. Yeah. Um, um, but, um, yeah, I think what would be really good is if we could get some of the touring parties to come on the pod before they go. Oh, I wonder if we could make that happen in the next few weeks for the last two episodes of the series. Because <laughs> they fly out on the 7th of January, yeah. I believe. Yeah, which is when the last episode of the series will come out. So I guess just stay for the next two weeks and find out who they are. <laughs> um, but on to some of our emails. So last week we asked... Four questions relating to Christmas and want to hear your answers. So we're going to have to do this as kind of fast as possible because firstly, we've got a lot of answers. So mm-hmm. I'm going to have to cut that down a bit. But also we've got a guest who speaks for a long time. So um, shall we go through everyone else's and then say ours? Yes, that sounds yeah. good. Okay. So the first one is from my friend Ibby on Twitter. Uh, Hi, Ibby. <laughs> so Christmas film, Home Alone. Mm. Mm. kind of average we we actually spoke about christmas films about an hour ago on a walk mm-hmm. and i think the thing with home alone is it's really good and it's a very funny storyline but once you've watched watched it once it's kind of a bit mm, it's very predictable and um i've watched the first two haven't watched the other two and i i think it is very funny and i love the soundtrack um and i think it it was like kind of original at its time but once you've watched it it's kind of you remember everything it's not the sort of film that every time you watch it you pick more stuff up i feel like i just know everything some it. people it's not christmas till they've watched home alone yeah and i'm not one of those no, people no me neither um christmas song fairy tale of new york agree love the song Classic. i think it's just kind of it reminds me of the gavin and stacy christmas special last year that kind of everyone being in a pub on christmas eve and they're all slightly drunk but they're all kind of just very jolly and it feel it the song just sounds very christmassy um obviously that's what a christmas song the song is it's kind of bittersweet isn't it yeah yeah and and so it's that mixture of emotions yeah um christmas dinner i mean you've given half christmas dinner here as well um stuffing yorkshire puds applesauce cranberry sauce i don't think i've really had cranberry sauce that much but i love cranberry juice so (laughs) it tastes pretty similar um applesauce agree yorkshire pudding oh yorkshire puddings 
with I Christmas dinner. I never really have them with Christmas dinner. I love yeah. Yorkshire puddings. You can't go wrong with them. But I never really have them on Christmas dinner. No. I have them at school on a Christmas dinner, but I don't know. Um, I feel like you have Yorkshire puddings with beef and you don't have beef at Christmas, really. Correct. Um, and stuffing. Yeah, 100% and that mm-hmm. stuffing. So my mum makes this wholemeal mm-hmm. stuffing that we have mm-hmm. with the turkey. It's really nice. Great. It's really It's my really favourite stuffing. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. But I only ever have it at Christmas. So as soon yeah. as I taste it, it's like, this it's is like Christmas. It's like Christmas, yeah. Um, Christmas tradition. Now this made me laugh. <laughs> Christmas game of Twister. I'm really hoping that's before Christmas dinner. Because <laughs> imagine after... And who participates in this? Do you get, like, your grandparents involved? Because no. I think that could end badly. You never I presume get the insurance it's... cover. Oh, yeah. I presume it's, like, a younger person thing. Like, maybe, like, be below the age of 60. Actually. <laughs> younger person. I don't know. I don't know. Um, and then afternoon nap due to all the food. Now, I would disagree with this. I just can't afternoon nap on Christmas Day. Mm. Um, but then you only get up just before the afternoon starts. Not on Christmas Day. Okay. No, 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 no. What time are you intending to be up on Christmas Day? I don't know. Early. Not, not really early. Just like kind of average time, like eight o'clock. I don't know. Okay. This, yeah, I, I never sleep in on Christmas Day. I can't remember. Oh no. I, all my memory of you is I don't really see you in the mornings. <laughs> That's not true though. Um. Okay. Anyway. Most mornings I don't ever see you. Oh, yeah, that's because you go to work really early. So anyway, um, the next one from Hannah Stobbs on Instagram. Hi, Hannah. Um, <laughs> stop doing that. It's kind of strange, but okay. Christmas film, The Holiday. I've never seen The Holiday. It's um, such a long film. Kate Winslet, is it? I don't know. But it's when they're like, these two friends swap houses okay. for Christmas because one's like, Going through a breakup. I don't know. I watched it and I fell asleep halfway through. So great. I don't really know what happened. So I've missed like the middle part. So I know the beginning and I know how it ends. I just don't know what happens in the middle. So um, yeah, I watched it because um, I saw this answer come in. I thought, oh, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll check it out. But I don't know. I thought it was, I thought it was all right. But it was kind of generic Christmas rom com. Um, Christmas song, Oh Holy Night. Oh. What a tune. It's a good one. It's, it, yeah, I quite like it. The recite, it's a hit and miss song. It depends who sing it. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, because we asked for a a pop song and a, and a trad Did carol, we? didn't we? I'm sure we said that. I don't know. Well, we've got a mix. Some people have given like mm-hmm. traditional, some have given pop songs. Um, Christmas dinner stuffing. Yeah, yeah, again, agree. Now, this was one of my favourite Christmas traditions because at first I laughed and then I thought, actually, it's quite sweet. So, we read Jesus's Christmas Party, it's a book, um, on Christmas Eve as a family, one double page each and pass it on, which I thought was quite sweet. Nice. It's, I, I don't know, it's one of those things, like, how did that tradition start? Yeah, um, but once it's but there, it's there. It, exactly. Um, but no, I love that. And <laughs> I googled Jesus's Christmas Party and uh, there was a video of this lady uh, reading it in, you know, there's like primary school condescending will say, hello, everybody. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, what am I in for? But no, it actually sounded quite good. OK, on to the next one. So this is like a full written email. So I'll just kind of read the whole thing. Hey, Richard and Polly, to keep it short and simple, thank you so much for all your efforts. You're very welcome. Yeah. Here are my answers to your poll. So firstly, Christmas film, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I watched it as a kid and still have some good memories of it. I didn't know that was a film. I just thought it was a song. Um, but no, it's probably a good children's film. Then um, Christmas song. Oh, I'm going to say it wrong. Um, 
Stern über Bethlehem. It's German. Start over Bethlehem. Is it Stern? St- oh, I, I looked up how to say it. I should know how to pronounce the German. Wonderful Carol about the start from the wise men and the shepherd's point of view. Okay, good. Cool. I, like it. I listened to it. Great song. Um, then Christmas dinner. Um, it's called like a Philip pan. So it's like meat, cheese and veg. Whoa. Sounds good. Um, it's always the once in a year uniqueness. Wait, it's like they basically you have it once of a year. Once a year. It's a very like unique dish. Very unorthodox. So like... He's just like, I can't put it into words. So I'm sure it's like a really good thing. And also they eat it before Besherung, which is like uh, handing out of presents on Christmas Eve. Tell you what, in Germany, yeah. they know how to do Christmas. Oh, yeah, well. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, what, that's why everyone has, you know, this is in quote marks, the German market. Mm-hmm. Because German Christmas is like just above everywhere yeah. else. I feel like most of Europe does Christmas better than everywhere around the world. Include like it's so a UK, just no, doesn't compare to like a German Christmas or anywhere. Yeah. Um, and then also, especially our dogs, so full of joy, celebrating every single one of his presents. It warms my heart. <laughs> I, this is what I don't get is when people buy presents for dog, like pets or babies, mm-hmm. because is the baby going to appreciate it? You just why don't you just buy them? You know, you're going to have to buy a baby present, not a present, but like stuff anyway. I can't remember what we like, bought you. I remember in uh, Peter's stocking when he was a baby, there was uh, like like baby food that like pureed yeah. <laughs> something, like pureed carrot or something. There you um, go. We probably got you that. And some nappies yeah. or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, Diapers, I should say, for our American listeners. Okay. And then Christmas tradition, getting the presents half a day before you. Yeah. So in most of Europe, they open presents on Christmas Eve, yes. which actually we kind of used to do. Yes, yes. Anyway. So because you have a German grandparent, yeah. therefore <laughs> your mum was brought up with that tradition. Therefore, mm-hmm. we've had it a little bit as well. Yeah, but also just because of timings of going away, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Actually, this year we haven't done it. Yeah, we'll, so it's we'll, we'll, only the 22nd, who oh, knows? You never, we never know. Um, and the anticipation throughout the whole day slowly building up. Mm. That's true. I think Christmas, I prefer Christmas Eve to Christmas Day, I think. I just love Christmas Eve. I don't know why. It's okay. really Okay. And then he says, Merry Christmas and a happy, healthy new year. In times as distant as these, it's indescribably comforting, at least to have, at least having voices as you're so close. Stay safe and never change from Corbin. Corvin, lovely email. Friend of the pod. Thank you, Corvin. <laughs> uh, great to hear from yeah. you. And then the final email, because this is a very long email. So, good morning, Richard and Polly. Well, it was sent in the morning and the episode will go out in the morning. Does that make sense? Um, a little bit late with my answers for the Christmas special, but better late than ever. Very true. Here are my thoughts and answers to the questions you put out. As I'm writing this, it is snowing quite a lot outside my window and the forecast is cold weather for the next week. So this year... It will be a white Christmas here in Oslo. Mm. Oh, I kind of want a white Christmas. We had snow back in November, so I think that was our Christmas. Oslo, uh, yeah. So yeah. I, I remember I had a friend from Oslo mm-hmm. and uh, they were going home for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And uh, they say, oh, like my plane's getting in at half two, so it'll be dark. <gasps> oh, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, because of, yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Um, so this email got a little bit longer than I first intended, but here we go. So... Favourite Christmas film? There's so many to choose from, but my number one must be Love Actually. Mm. I watched Love Actually the first time a few days ago, 
and I felt a little bit disappointed because everyone has I think maybe if I just watched it with knowing nothing and no one ever recommending it I would have maybe enjoyed it but I was a little bit disappointed because it was so hyped up to be this great film the one thing I would say is I kind of loved and hated it at the same time the fact that there are so many iconic actors and actresses in it I loved it because they're great you know great actors and stuff except it confused me so much when like Snape was in the same <laughs> film as Nanny McPhee who was in the same film as Stacy from Gavin and Stacy as Mr. Madden's from Nativity. I was like, wait, what? It it really kind of confuses me. Um, so I was a little bit let down by it. But I understand why people like it. I mean, a lobster in a nativity, that's a great idea. Yeah, I mean, loads of people, that's their favourite Christmas film. Yeah. And I love Richard Curtis yeah. as a writer. I think he's absolutely brilliant. I love almost all his mm. films. Uh, the actors in there, Rowan Atkinson is yeah. like a hero. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, loads of really, really, mm-hmm. really top actors that I really like. But it just doesn't feel quite right as a film. Yeah. It almost feels like it's trying too hard to push my sentimental yeah, buttons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't quite go for it. So yeah. even though I, you know, I like Four Weddings and Funeral, I like mm-hmm. Notting Hill, mm-hmm. I like Blackadder, Vicar of mm-hmm. Dibley, all those things that Richard yeah. Curtis has done. I, it, Love actually doesn't quite do it for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then also favourite Christmas song. Um, I do like a lot of the modern ones, but closest to my heart are the traditional ones. I kind of agree with that. Um, My favourite is a traditional Nordic hymn based on an old German folk tune from the 1600s. I don't think it's very well known in English, but from what I can find on Google, it has been translated to English with the title Beautiful Saviour by a Norwegian-American and I did find uh, the English version on YouTube, which I listened to, which (laughs) the conductor was very stiff and look very old but it was a very nice um piece and there was like a massive choir and stuff it was beautiful is it one to recommend to mum do you think yeah probably (laughs) in norwegian oh i don't know how to say this in norwegian it's called um delig air jordan i think that's my beautiful norwegian (laughs) um and if one was to translate that directly it would be something like wonderful is the earth um, of the traditional ones that are well known in the UK, my pick would be Silent Night. I kind of I love Silent Night. I love it in German, Stille Nacht. Mm-hmm. It's very beautiful. Um, but yeah, it's one of those. I guess once you've had kind of the like Hark the Herald, very like um, triumphant and stuff, mm-hmm. then Silent Night is I don't know. It's quite calming, and it's one of those songs where I imagine myself being surrounded by candles and like being very warm. You know yeah. that Christmassy like where you've got red cheeks and you're like mm-hmm. really warm. I don't know. That's what it makes you think of. Um then best part Christmas dinner. So it says, well this one is quite interesting. Norway is quite uh like large and long country geographically. So there are different traditions from different parts of the country. But the three big ones are either eating pork, sheep or fish on Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. Um, my family is from the parts of the country normally eating pork, but as I grew up with a stepdad who used to hunt, we would normally eat something he had hunted. So most of my years of my youth, we would eat moose on Christmas oh, Eve and Christmas Day. How cool is that? How cool is that? Like you had on, oh, we didn't have moose, we had moose milk when we went to Sweden. We did, didn't we? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you were only two then. I was two years old. But you'll have your first memory. I had my first memory there when I got locked in a room. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but yes, yeah. I mean, lots of lots of mooses wandering around mm. rural Sweden that we saw. Yeah. And you had reindeer, it. didn't you? Reindeer curry. Yes, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then on Christmas Day, often some kind of is it grouse, goose? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we have a couple of different subspecies of grouse here. Yes, sort of, it's like a wild bird. Mm. My favourite part of the dinner is probably my mum's homemade gravy to go with the meat, potatoes and the Brussels sprouts, which, yeah, oh, gravy. I love gravy so Gravy's much. Gravy's a good thing. You can't have any sort of roast without gravy. Mm. It really makes it. Mm. Then, tradition, Christmas tradition or Christmas in your country. So, Christmas is a very family-orientated holiday and still the most important holiday in Norway. In Norwegian, it's called Yule, from the old Norse word, I presume, Yule. <laughs> it's just got an accent on it, I don't know. Okay. Um, and I think it's also the background for the English word Yule in, like, Yuletide. Yes. Um, even though there is very little left of the old Norse traditions, the name is still there. The biggest difference from the UK is that Christmas Eve is the most important day here, mm -hmm. as we mentioned with Germany earlier. It is the day when people go to church in the afternoon, have the traditional Christmas dinners with the family, and when we open the presents. A big part of Christmas Eve is when the church bells start chiming at 5pm. Traditionally, that was the start of Christmas and still is for most people, which is nice. Um, you probably heard the grandfather clock chiming. I noticed yes. it went off in the middle there. Um, then Christmas dinner is served and a lot of people watch the traditional Christmas choir um, song on our BBC called NRK. Um, the name even translates to the Norwegian Broadcasting Corporation. So mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure they had some inspiration <laughs> for the name back in the 1930s from the BBC. Um, then after dinner, it is traditionally time to open the presents. An interesting modern Christmas tradition for a lot of people is watching the football from England on Boxing Day. English football has been on Norwegian TV since the 1960s and for a lot of people watching the football on Boxing Day has therefore become a big part of their Christmas. Well, yes. And of course, there's a famous um, Norwegian um, football commentator. Mm -hmm. And in the 1980s, Norway beat England for the very first <gasps> oh. time in a World Cup qualifier. Mm -hmm. And so he's commentating mm -hmm. in Norwegian yeah. and then breaks into English <laughs> and starts saying... Um, Maggie Thatcher, Lord <laughs> Nelson, and Winston Churchill, yeah. and naming all these famous mm -hmm. English people, and then goes, your boys took one hell of a beating. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, and then, hoping you have a great Christmas. Keep safe and healthy. Thank you for the many interesting and entertaining episodes during 2021. Here is hoping for many more in 2022. Christmas greetings from Norway, Erling. Thank you, Erling. Great to hear from you. And we've got more episodes in 2021. We See, do. that is the niche about us. Most people stop at Christmas. We're going to continue. So when all your other podcast providers have let you down, we're there. <laughs> <laughs> we take no break between Christmas no. and New Year. <laughs> um, so they're all the Christmas things. Oh, yeah, no, 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 no. When... We need to talk about our Christmas Oh, yeah, we, yeah, yeah. Oh, I almost forgot. So do you want to go first? Christmas film. Christmas film. Mm -hmm. Well, we talked about this. Yeah. And um, the thing is, I always associate The Great Escape with Christmas because mm -hmm. when I was a kid, it was always on at Christmas <laughs> yeah. time. So if I was to choose one, it would be that. But if it's, it not, has, a Christmas but it's not a Christmas no. film. So therefore, I have to narrow it down to two possibilities. Yeah. And I think these might make your list as yeah. well, which are Muppet Christmas Carol yeah. and Nativity. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. They are my two favourite Christmas films. Just nothing will ever beat them. Like Muppet Christmas Carol is 
a piece of genius. Mm -hmm. It is so good. Like when, as soon as the overture starts, mm -hmm. like that nostalgic feeling, I just love it. And it's, it's so funny. Yeah. And, and you know it like the oh, back of your hand. There's a little mole. <laughs> <laughs> no one else will get that unless they watch the film. Oh, which is it's so frustrating because mm -hmm. I feel we must have mentioned this in like our second or third episode when we did about TV or film mm -hmm. that I love film quotes. Mm -hmm. I just constantly quote film, and if someone says a line like just saying it in a normal sentence, which leads on to a quote, I have to quote it. So someone said. Um, Oh, I, I know it like the back of my hand. I was like, there's a little mole. And everyone's like, what are you on about? Like, you're weirdo. Um, but no, I, I absolutely love film quotes. And Muppet Christmas Carol is one of them, which you can just quote and quote from. It's so, I don't know. I, I didn't, someone needs to create a word for when something's so quotable. Quotability. Yeah, quotability. Oh, that's true. Um, but no, it's it's amazing. I love so it. that's one. Yeah. And, and Nativity. Martin Freeman, oh. actually, who's also yeah, in Love, love actually. actually. Yeah. Uh, but he is just such a good actor. So and, good. and he plays a teacher yeah. who mm -hmm. is just really disappointed with his life. <laughs> and I just kind of relate to it, you know. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, but yeah, I think the first and second Nativity are incredible because the second one has, oh, what's his name? David Tennant. David Tennant, mm -hmm. um, who also is similar to Martin Freeman, that like disappointed teacher who's really stressed mm -hmm. and just views Mr. Poppy as an absolute idiot. Um, and Mr. And Poppy is so one of the great comic creations. Oh, he's so good. It's amazing. I think just the fact that he also is, he's got like the IQ of the children <laughs> um, and he's just so similar to them. It's kind of scary. Um, but no, they definitely have to be two of my favourite films. I also quite like The Grinch. Okay, um, I think that. also quite quotable. I do not like the fact that there's now an animated one because some people prefer that. I prefer mm. the original one. Mm. Um, okay, so those are films. Yeah, Christmas songs. Uh, well, because of my age, yeah. I really like. Do they know it's Christmas? Yeah, because it takes me back to being. Mm -hmm. I was I was thirteen, nearly fourteen mm -hmm. when that came out, yeah. and that was kind of from my era. Mm -hmm. So if it's a pop song, yeah, do they know it's Christmas? Uh, and uh, traditional. I like a little town of Bethlehem. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. I agree. Okay, pop song, Fairy Tale of New York has to be up there. Mm -hmm. I do love that. Um, oh, I've forgotten just every Christmas song now. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, Step Into Christmas, Elton John. <laughs> I love that. That also makes you think of Gavin and Stacey. Okay. Um, and traditional. Oh, I do love Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Yeah. I think it's a good one to like, belt out. Yeah. Um, agree with Alicia Town of Bethlehem as well. Yeah. Um, and Christmas tradition. Do we have, like... I was trying to think of, do we have traditions? Um, um, no, I mean, it, well... It's the thing, the thing is, when you have traditions, you don't notice them because yeah, it's just what you do, isn't normal. it? Um, so often we'll go and see family. Yeah. Uh, so at the moment, we're actually in Ireland. We've, uh, yeah. we've travelled over It feels weird because this is the place where we recorded most of the 100 episodes. Yes. Which feels really strange to... Yeah. Yes, so so with your uh, grandmother's house in mm -hmm. in Ireland, um, so visiting family is a big yeah. thing. Uh, we uh, go to church and carol service yeah. and the Christingle service yeah. where you have these oranges that you hand out. <laughs> it's a little bit weird. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, a tradition we used to have, which we can't really do anymore. When we went to Preston, we would always go see Preston or Fend on Boxing Day. 
That's that true. Was nice. Yeah, we need to get back onto deep dale yeah. soon. I think. Yeah. Um, a tradition which I want to keep going, which mm. we've only done once, is a jump in the lake. Um, yeah. We last year we did it Christmas Eve, a Christmas Day and Boxing Day, mm-hmm. which I think is good, just like a winter winter swim. Yeah, so we're just down the road from Loch Derg in mm-hmm. County Tipperary, and um, last Christmas Day you jumped in the lake yeah i had a wetsuit no one else did <laughs> they froze i mean it was cold but yeah it was worth go. it okay so i think oh we missed out christmas dinner how did i forget that well i've kind of talked about yeah, it stuffing gravy uh, potatoes potatoes just in every way just the best food of all time <laughs> i love potatoes <laughs> like they're so ver- it's because they're so versatile you can have them in any form and like people i'm trying to sell me something here <laughs> No, I spoke to someone who I have great respect for and she does not like potatoes. Oh. And I was like, you ma-? I was like, but how can you not like potatoes? They're crisps, they're chips, they're mm. mashed, they're roast, they're boiled, they're fried, they're mm. everything, steamed. You can do Grattan anything. <gasps> that, that is the best potato. Mm. Um, but yeah, probably potatoes or stuffing. I think the meat's good, but... That's not the best part. Right? <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I think after all that Christmas chat and after almost half an hour, we need to introduce our incredible guest, which I've had to try and keep a secret for like just over a month. The queen of English cricket. The queen of English cricket. The Charlotte Edwards. This is the first guest mm-hmm. that we haven't booked. That's booked us. She came yeah. to us. <laughs> Oh, I and need to said, tell the story. Can I come on your pod? So, we obviously, uh, like uh, about a month or two ago, we interviewed and put the episodes out from like George Adams, my Boucher. And back in the summer, we interviewed Emily Windsor. Mm-hmm. And we also spoke to Fee Morris, who actually was, um, who played for Southern Brave. So, mm-hmm. a lot of players that have been under Charlotte Edward, Edwards' coaching and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, we had mentioned a few times, like, I think I, in fact, in the My Boucher episode, I mentioned, oh, it'd be amazing if we could get Charlotte Edwards on, whatever. I think I messaged, messaged her on Instagram maybe before, but Instagram, it's so difficult to get mm-hmm. like people to see because it, it goes into loads of different inboxes. But anyway, I woke up on a Monday morning. I was just checking my phone. I saw I had a message on Twitter and I tend, like, it's only very recently that I've started using Twitter DMs. And I saw a follow as well, and it said Charlotte Edwards. I was like, no, no you've got to be kidding me. And I saw this message saying, um, listen to one of your episodes, which firstly, I was like, whoa. Um, and heard you um, would like to chat to me for the podcast. Are you still interested? I was like, am I still interested? Are you Join mad? the back of the queue. <laughs> but I was like, of course. And she followed us on Twitter. And I was, I was like, what, what do I do? So I think I sent a screenshot to you. Mm-hmm. On WhatsApp because yeah. you had gone to work, and I was just like, I can't, I can't keep this secret. I was like, yes, let's sort this out. Um, and we had actually been talking a few days before. Do you know we had been saying the day before, mm-hmm. oh, we it would be amazing if we could get Charlotte Edwards on or something, and then that happened. I was like, this is kind of crazy. Um, so I went to school and told my friend Isabel because I was like, well, I I literally tell her everything, and she wouldn't say it to anyone else, and no one else knows knows anything about cricket, so. I, I just read the message out to her and then I said, from Lottie. And she was like, what? It was like crazy. Um, so yeah, then we sorted it out. I think we spoke to her on like the 19th of November or something. Mm-hmm. But we knew we wanted this as our Christmas 
special mm-hmm. because we couldn't think of what to do for our Christmas special. And we thought, yeah, let's do that. So we spoke to her and we did ask her some Christmas questions, which I think threw a bit because it was the <laughs> middle of November. Um, but it was just incredible. Like there are no words to describe, especially the fact that because I'm doing this project, I have had to research her so much. She's, she's been so significant um, that I was like, this is just unbelievable. I just, yeah, it's amazing. Yes, I, and she is a really, really significant person yeah. in the history of women's mm-hmm. cricket. Yeah. You know, so she's very contemporary, you know, as, mm-hmm. as a coach. She's only stopped playing about four or five years yeah. ago. But uh, she is such a significant person and yeah. just amazing to talk to. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, I, I, I've listened back to it quite a few times, to be fair. Um, and, yeah, I think also just so lovely to give her time to us because, mm-hmm. I mean, she was she was coaching Adelaide. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was out in Australia when we, when we spoke to her. So, I mean, just incredible. And the fact that um, she could have listened to the Myra episode and just done nothing bad, but the fact that she was like, no, 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 I want get to in, get in contact, which I thought was really lovely um so yeah. charlotte edwards yeah thank you so much lottie absolutely <laughs> brilliant yeah. of you and uh, for everyone out there i hope you enjoy this episode Lottie, thank you so much for agreeing to come on the podcast. It's just amazing of you. Thank you so much. No pleasure. I um I listened to the the Maya interview and I was um yeah I was really yeah I thought well I'd better get in touch and um, <laughs> yeah talk to you. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's a bit of a dream really to speak to someone who's so expert in cricket. And I'm actually complete um completing a thing called an EPQ at the moment, which is. Uh, like an in-depth project alongside my A-levels and I'm doing it about the development of women's cricket in England so I've had to google your name quite a lot and do a lot of research into especially your era of cricket and in terms of becoming professional so that's been really really interesting. Oh if you need any help with that let me know. (laughs) I guess the other interesting thing is as we it's been amazing we've been doing this podcast since January and it wasn't supposed to be about cricket at all really um Polly's interested in possibly going into the media in the future as a career and so we were in fact during lockdown back in January we we're sort of saying what um you need to maybe do something media related and so we came up with the idea of a podcast and to start with we just talked to each other really about what life was like for me growing up and what life was like for Polly growing up but as time went on it um cricket sort of took over really and Polly drove it in that direction and uh, and oh, got brilliant. into Got in touch with Kate Cross, who agreed to be our first guest. <laughs> and then for, uh, from that, so many people have spoken to us and, and loads of them have talked about you, which has been really interesting. Oh, dear. <laughs> um, I, and, and so it's, it's great to be able to talk to you about that because it seems to me that your influence on the game is just amazing. It's just incredible. And it's almost like you've... Because you cross eras, don't you, in, in how yeah. your sort of time in the game. Yeah, no. Um, oh, well, I've been very flattered by some of the things that people have been saying about me, but um, and I don't really see myself in that light, which is probably a good thing in many ways, because um, so, yeah. But yeah, no, it's been um, it's been an unbelievable journey over the last um, however many years. So, um, 
yeah, I'm just I'm just very fortunate to have fell in love with cricket and played cricket for as long as I have done and had the unbelievable uh, memories I've got as well and and opportunities which I think you know I'm out here in Adelaide now and you know that's again an, another wonderful part of my my life. Yeah, you mentioned being in Adelaide for the WBBL coaching and you had to hotel quarantine. What on earth did you do? Because I mean. I had to quarantine at home for 14 days and that was a whole house, let alone one hotel room. Um, yeah, do you know what? It was actually really good for me. Um, I, I had probably the busiest summer I've had in um, my time as a cricketer, if I'm honest. There was a lot that happened, um, you know, to coach the Vipers all summer, to be part of the 100. It was literally non-stop and I always said to the girls, I'll fall to my knees after the Rachel Rachel Hayo Flint final because I was absolutely, um, you know, probably as tired as I've ever been. Um, so actually the two weeks quarantine was really good for me. I, I actually just did relax and I didn't um, have to do much at all other than sit in a room and um, had a treadmill and a bike and, and got myself fit. I had I kind of um, let my fitness go for the summer because I always say I'm too busy. Um, so yeah, I, I I actually really enjoyed the quarantine, um, and yeah, it was probably a good time to really reflect on the summer and and um, and recharge my batteries mainly, which was um, yeah definitely <laughs> what was needed. I'm I'm really interested in leadership, and particularly your leadership, because looking at your career and you know both as a player and a coach, you are a serial winner, and people who are like that tend to be really awful people <laughs> that, you know, they're driven, they're bullies and so on. But everyone we've spoken to has talked about you so well, glowingly and lovingly. Uh, and so I want to know how you can be a winner and, and, and a serial winner, but, but not be um, a bully and not, and not be, uh, that sort of stereotype of of the sort of strong leader and everyone does what yeah. I say. Yeah, I guess I just, I love people and I love cricket. Um, you know, that's fundamentally what I'm, I'm about as a person. So, you know, to combine those two, you know, there's a lot of things around when I played. Um, I wish I would have taken a lot of my coaching style into my, my playing career because, um, yeah, I've changed quite a lot going into coaching. But then I, on the other hand, I don't think I'd have been the player I was, if I'm honest. I was I was very determined. I was um, very focused and, and, and wanted to be the best. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I wasn't totally different as a captain, but I was probably a, not as patient, um, probably not quite as caring as I probably should have been at times. Um, but I've learned from those not mistakes because that's who I was and and that's um how I went about things but going into coaching I realized you know coaching is about people people uh, clearly my playing career has some credibility um and I've got a lot of respect from players but it was all about getting the best out of the players I was involved with and the best way of doing that is in my opinion is is me communicating well which I think is probably one of my biggest strengths I'm really consistent in my behaviors because I've got to be consistent around girls especially because they pick up on everything I do or say and 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 be consistent in the way I prepare players because they need that. Um, and I, I, I care so much about them 
and they know that I care about them because it's genuine um, because I think there's a lot of people that can say the word care but if you care is 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 all year round it's not about um, you know just before cricket games it's about absolutely all the time and you know I've kept in touch with all the other players through my time here I've missed them um, and I genuinely you know love the team I coach because I've got some wonderful people and and I work with some wonderful people as well which is I guess that's part of leadership isn't it getting the right people around you and and I think I've done that probably really really well um, yeah you know Ada, Georgia and, and Emily who are the you know the two you know a captain and vice captain are incredible people who I work with and and the coaches I work with Beth Morgan one of the players I worked with uh, played with who I absolutely adored when I played and and Ian Cox is probably the most passionate player um coach I, I know so you know you you if you surround yourself by good people and and you're a good person as well I think um you know you can create the success um you want and people do follow you and that's one thing I've always said I'll be honest but hopefully they trust me and they'll follow me and they, they've done that and um yeah I'm incredibly grateful and I've loved every minute of um going into coaching because I didn't know if I was going to do it probably two years ago um I really didn't I, I had four years out of the game um and I really kind of had to explore what I wanted to do did I want to be a commentator did I want to go into administration but um I kept coming back to cricket to people and to coaching and the game I absolutely adore and I think hopefully if the players have spoken to you they will tell you how much I love cricket and I'm the biggest badger going and um, you know for someone to finish a season and come straight out here to be part of a WBBL I think probably tells you everything about me I, I just love the game. And going back all the way to your England debut what was that like because um, I'm the same age as you were when you made your debut and I just cannot imagine like the thought of playing for England so young. Um, yeah, I remember it like it was yesterday actually. I, 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 I had the real honour of writing a letter actually to Janet Britton who was inducted to the Hall of Fame last week and, and it brought back memories of my England debut because I walked out to bat with her and we were in a skirt and long socks and you know I'm really um, grateful for playing in that era because i you know, I played for absolute the love of the game. It was amateur. It was we paid for. I paid for my own blazer, and that's really probably set me up for for my career and you know what I do now because um, I never take anything for granted. I'm so appreciative of everything that's given to me, and and hopefully that's something I really instill in the players around me. So, you know, my early days in cricket have really set me up um, perfectly for what I do now, and. Um, and that moment of walking out for England for the first time, you know, it's probably the highlight of my career because, you know, it's all I ever wanted to do. And I, I actually felt I was ready to do it at 16 because I'd, I'd scored so many runs. I'd played around all of these players and I felt ready to do it. Um, so I'm a big believer in if you're, if you're old enough, you're, um, you're good enough. Um, and that's why I would always, you know, you know, always say that now in, in a coaching role, but um yeah, I think you've, you've got to have the right characteristics. And I, I clearly had that. But I think that came from my childhood playing boys, boys and men's cricket. Mm -hmm. um, it was tough, tough sort of school for me to grow up in um, where you're playing against men and boys constantly and being challenged and judged. And so a lot of my probably strengths have come from my childhood and um, which have a lot my family to thank for. And um, 
and obviously all the all the teams I played in, which set me up to to play cricket for England, which was actually a bit of a doddle when you played a lot of boys and men's cricket and um, you've been sniggered at and probably not welcomed as much as you would have liked. But um, but yeah, that that's the. I don't think I'd have changed it for the world though because um, I had some great experiences. And how did you balance school or work with cricket? Because obviously at the time um, it wasn't a, a professional, you know, career option. Um, probably not very well, my school. Um, I was, I remember just sitting in my GCSEs and I was very close to being picked for England at the time. Um, I remember being in some exams and I was not at all bothered about the exam. I was more bothered about whether England had um how many they'd scored in their first innings of a test match at Scarborough I think I remember uh, following that test match um but yeah look I um I enjoyed school I um yeah but I probably had this burning ambition to play cricket um and when you're picked at 16 there wasn't the support in place then for 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 people to further their education Um, I went to the Cambridge College um, after being at school and um, I remember my first year I was studying and and um, I had a tour to India and it was for three months and they just said oh no you have to reset your year and and I guess cricket took over and so now there is that support for players who you know want to further their education so that's probably the only one regret I have is is not pursuing probably um, you know education further but um as I say to many of the players, I've been to the University of Life and, and that's been a, a wonderful, um, wonderful journey. And um, yeah, and yeah, and I've come out the other side and I've done OK. Yeah, I mean, at the moment, of course, the women's game is, is sort of understanding with one foot in amateurism and one foot in professionalism, isn't it? There's, there's a kind of process going on, which you can, you can see in, in, in the years to come, it's going to be fully professional. I don't, I, yeah, this is, my thought is, I, one of the reasons I really like the women's game is that it still has all the positive things of the amateur ethos about it. It hasn't kind of been spoiled by professionalism. Professionalism is brilliant and, it, and it's increasing the standard massively, but there isn't that sort of win-at-all-cost mentality, perhaps, that, that pure professionalism gives you. I'm thinking of for example, Kate Cross being interviewed after the first game in the 100, uh, which they'd lost, and saying, it doesn't matter that we lost. It was just a, such an amazing event and great for the game. And, and I, can't, I couldn't imagine um, if, for example, in the men's game that would happen because of the influence of professionalism and the fact that winning is absolutely everything. Do you think it's possible for the women's game to keep that... I don't know. Pure. I'm going to use the word purity, but it's maybe yeah. I'm, I'm looking at it with rose tinted spectacles a little bit as it goes into a fully professional era. I think it's it's going to be tough. Um, there's no doubt about that. Um, and I, but I think having the right people around um, the regional structures and and you know and actually helping and. Um, the players go through this transition because I think it's going to be a it's going to be a big transition in the next couple of years because suddenly you're going to have a lot of competition for places for contracts there's going to be someone who's going to lose their contract and, and that's going to be really difficult and that purity as you spoke about is going to be difficult um because um you know there is it's suddenly a job isn't it um whereas most of our life we've played for the love of the sport and and that's where um 
you know, I, I went through that same transition really we you know most of my career I was an, an amateur and um we'll probably had three phases in my career absolute amateur then we had funding and we got um roles with chance to shine which were um you know we were very well looked after and then we then I was fully professional for the last couple or three years of my career so um and each step was a, a, you know a significant moment and and things do change but the most significant change was when you went to professional because suddenly there's so much more to lose. You're on a good contract, you've got a car, you know, there's more media coverage of the game. So therefore people know who you are as well. And, um, and I think that was probably one of my hardest times as England captain is, is, is actually um, leading through that time because suddenly people have different motivations about playing cricket and, you know, some is money. Um, which is absolutely fine, um, you know, and some is because they do genuinely love it. Um, some is because they didn't just want a job. Um, so, yeah, it's it, it was difficult. Um, and there's so much pressure that comes with playing. Suddenly you're not going out there with your mates and playing for your country and loving it. It's suddenly your job. And if you don't score runs, you may not have your job in 12 months time. And and, and I really did feel for the players, you know, especially when I came out of it. Because um, and, and now I'm going through that set similar uh, situation with the players I'm with. Um, so I think that's really prepared me for this job um, to, to sort of support the players, um, give them that comfort of, um, which sometimes the players didn't have at England level. We were on a year contract. You, you didn't really know what the future looked like, but trying to just comfort the players around, you know, we do believe in you. You're going to have, be with us for at least a couple of years and you're going to then reap the rewards of that because they're going to perform better. They're not looking over their shoulder. They're not worried about their next role. And that's hopefully something that I have done well with the players around me. If I've made them feel really special and really valued and, and hopefully in return, they, they repay you on the pitch, which um, I've been very fortunate they have done. And uh, your role with the PCA has also been really significant and important. Um, for those who may not know, can you explain what you do and why it is important for professionalism? Yeah, so, um, yeah, I obviously got a call probably, um, it was in the in the new year around um, whether I would like to be um, the new president of the PCA. And I, you know, I've worked closely with the PCA in my time as a player and, and since retiring. And yeah, so I, 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 I said, what does it <laughs> entail? Because I've, I haven't really got that much time in my, in my uh, busy life. And um, they said, look, you can do as little as much as you want, but obviously we want you to be, um, you know, a voice for the game and, and, a, and certainly for the women's game. And I think that's, that was important step for the PCA with the new 41 contracts that were built 14 last, last year. And, um and with the game going through you know quite a difficult time with covid and stuff so um yeah I, i've i've enjoyed working closely with the with the board and and obviously the players and 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 i guess i give i give them great insight from the players talk to me on a on a daily basis about what works what doesn't work and um and i obviously i can and pass that information on so yeah it's um yeah, it's 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 been great, um, and I've um, and hopefully now with the extra players that are being taken on, it will just keep growing and growing. And you know, it's it's you know, it's wonderful that they have um, that body to look after them now. The players, which previously they they just didn't have.
Yeah, um, yeah I, I've got a question for you from, uh, uh, say, a previous guest. She has, we haven't broadcast her yet. We, <laughs> we spoke to her last week, but someone who also talked about you, um, who was uh, Roberta Moretti Avery from Brazil. Uh, and um, so we are talking about cricket in Brazil, which is really interesting because there the women have got full-time contracts, but the men haven't. In fact, cricket is developing as a women's game um, in Brazil, which is which is quite interesting. It reminds me of sort of um, soccer in the USA, which again is the women's team are much, much stronger than, than the men's team and participation there is, is much more female than male. And I'm just wondering what your thoughts is about the development of cricket around the world and 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 how we in England can have a part in in making that happen. I think particularly for yeah. Roberta, I said I'd ask if she could get a contract in the hundred because I think she'd be brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was, that was one thing when I when I finished playing, I um, I was really lucky um, to have the opportunity to go to a number of countries and. Um, and obviously I went, I met Roberto in, in the USA and, and, and Argentina. I went there as well to, to promote cricket um, because it, I'm really passionate about that we, we grow the game, not just in the major countries, but see the affiliate countries as well. And, and that's what's been such a highlight over the last sort of few years, seeing those teams grow and having been there and knowing some of the people. And, you know, I followed all the stuff on online and, you know with the world cup qualifiers as well seeing all those teams so yeah yeah I'm hugely passionate about it I think I think there is a real um need to to keep growing it and I think the ICC are, are actually doing a great job in in that space mm -hmm. as well so um yeah it's pretty exciting because I think we can all see where you know some of them you know the the bigger countries are moving away potentially from mm -hmm. from the other countries because, purely because of investment and yeah. um you know australia have, have really set the bar of it they in terms of what they've done here and i think you know we've done a fantastic job in the last few years and the hundred i think probably is has been the pinnacle of that really for us um you know india are, are still strong but I, you know i do i do i am concerned you know there's no doubt about it the likes of south africa who i think are very strong and have got a massive chance of doing well in the world cup but what is underneath those players now i, I don't know and I, I don't think there is um the investment going into their underpinning programs which is a massive concern the west indies mm -hmm. i haven't seen a west indies player you know, um, since sort of Hayley Matthews come through as a young talent, and and that that does worry me. Um, so, I, I, although I'm really optimistic about the global game, I'm, I'm also there are concerns, and I think we we've got to keep um, investing. and And I know COVID's probably not going to have helped that, <laughs> um, but I really hope um, the game continues to grow and, and flourish and. You know, we see the likes of Thailand at the World Cup um, in 2020. I mean, what, you know, that was so fantastic to see them and see their absolute joy to play the game. And, um, and yeah, I'll be following them very closely in, over the next few weeks in Zimbabwe. Yeah. So I know that the WBBL had a sort of associate rookie yeah. um, contract system at, at one point. I don't know if they still do. But do you think that's something that the 100 could introduce? Because that would be amazing, wouldn't it, to get some of those players from you know emerging nations just to come and be alongside you know world stars and you know professional English players and so on 
Yeah, it's, it's something I've spoken to Beth Barrett-Wild about, and it's something that I've actually spoken to a, a number of people around uh, exchange programmes and, and so on. You know, that it's difficult to implement at the moment with, with COVID, but I absolutely agree. I was here in Adelaide when we've had a number of um, rookie players and they spend two weeks with the team and they're very much immersed in. And and if, you know, if there was an injury, they can play as well, which is is great. We had Catherine Bryce here probably four or five years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, which was great. Um, so, yeah, it's yeah, it's definitely something that should be looked at because that's the you know, we had Gabby Lewis over for the for the world for the hundred as she uh, as a replacement and then played with the Vipers. And, you know, we've, we're trying to you know create that strong link with Ireland as well. And and, you know, play even we're looking to go over to Dublin to potentially play some warm up fixtures. So, yeah, um, I think we've all got to really um, embrace it and actually support world cricket and and that's something I'm definitely um you know wanting to do and it seems to me as well that you know the the big possible game changer eight years down the line is the Los Angeles Olympics and the possibility of of cricket being there as well because that could potentially bring you know external funding into lots of those associate nations as well and and put it on the really global stage as well which is I think is really really exciting yeah, I mean, the Olympics has been spoken about for a number of years, even when I was playing. So, yeah, I think uh, absolutely it will be a game changer for for the game. And as you said, the funding streams that come as being part of an Olympic is 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 huge for any sport. So, um, yeah, yeah, the, the women's games in it is in a good place. I mean, I know I probably haven't probably painted it in a great light <laughs> um, at times, but um, there's so many positive things to. Um, to, to talk about and, and what we're seeing. Um, I guess it's probably, yeah, just the, the international cricket at the moment, at the moment that we need to make sure that we keep invested in and we keep trying to, to push. And, um, you know, and that comes from, you know, the individual boards because I think they're, they're vital in, in that process. Yeah, we're based in Birmingham, so we've got the Commonwealth Games um, in the summer, which is very exciting. So we've got tickets for a few of the games. Mm. Um, Not the final, though, because the final's oh, the totally final, sold the out. The final sold out. <laughs> so that's yeah. quite annoying. I do know someone that's got tickets, so I might try and, <laughs> and get one from her. Um, but I guess, again, that exposure, but also the fact that it's only women's cricket that is being displayed at the Commonwealth Games. And if people want to see cricket, they have to see the women's game, which I think is also another opportunity mm. um, because it will be at Edgebaston. And like with the 100, it will be on a very big stage for people to see. And hopefully that will also um, get people interested. Yeah, I mean, I know the players are very excited. I think if you talk to anyone around the world you know that's going to be probably one of their highlights of their career I mean it's the first Commonwealth Games uh, for women's cricket and um, you know you can already tell by the the support and obviously the tickets that have been sold it's going to be a huge event so um, yeah I, bet I might have to go and try and get a ticket by the sounds of it um, um, but yeah um, yeah it will, it will do wonders for the game it, it just has that bigger reach doesn't it um, an Olympics and a, and a Commonwealth Games and um, and it's just what the game needs and um, yeah it's a great it's an exciting time for the players I mean they're going to play an Ashes a, a World Cup a 50 over World Cup a Commonwealth Games and a um, a T20 World Cup within a 12-month period so um, 
yeah it's it's pretty exciting at the moment and um yeah we'll just hopefully keep growing the game and and keep getting it better and last summer we obviously had the 100 which we've already mentioned and as a coach what was it like um coaching southern brave where you also had the overseas players as well um and also it just looks so much fun like was it as good as it looked to be part of it uh I had the time of my life. I, re I really did. Um, it was the most unbelievable experience for anyone who was involved in it. Um, it was, um, you know, I think it was a long time in, in the waiting um, in terms of, you know, we've planned for it for, like, you know, a good 18 months, nearly two years. So, um, yeah, I don't think we could have ever imagined the, the impact it would have had. Um, so instantly as well it was just um you know I, I was only speak I, I mean the players over here constantly ask me about the 100 you know they're they're absolutely in envy of the, the 100 which I never ever thought we'd have an English competition that mm. the Aussies would be desperate to playing and um you know and I just spoke about the third game of our our, our season which was against the London Spirit at Lords and we played in front of I think 17 18,000 people um and I just said how overwhelming it was for even someone like me to to look around, think this is a domestic game of cricket. And we're virtually, you know, you know, Lords looked full, really. And it was loud. It was buzzing. And um, yeah, it was just one of those sort of moments in your life. You think this is this is pretty cool, actually. And um, I was just really proud of the, you know, not just the Southern Brave, but all of the women's players, how they just embraced it all. And um they they never took a step back it was always you know they always um try to enjoy every game and and put put you know I think really um propelled the women's game throughout that tournament I think if anyone was to come away from the 100 you'd say probably women's cricket was the biggest positive of it um which I think uh I couldn't be prouder and you know as I probably said um over the time people said oh you must be you know unlucky not to win of course I wanted to win I'm competitive and uh, mm -hmm. I don't really like losing but everyone was a winner that day you know the fact that we got to play in front of that crowd and be part of that massive occasion um it was hard to be really disappointed um because um certainly from from a coaching point of view because you know and someone who played the game a lot and been part of the game it was a pretty special day and a pretty special event and yeah um we the ECB did a fantastic job and you know my good friend Beth Barrett Wild I think no one will ever know what that <laughs> woman went through to get that competition up and running if I'm honest because um you know with everyone falling out the Aussies especially and everyone sort of really worried about whether it would be um to the standard that we wanted it to be I think I don't think anyone really really knew if I'm honest but all I knew is that a year, if we'd have it a year previously, we probably wouldn't have been a, a as big a success. The, the players have had a year of full training and being a professional, as, as close to a professional as they could. So um, I think that really helped. And yeah, it was just it was it was just a fantastic um, uh, four or five weeks of um, cricket. And of course, the the big difference between the hundred and the WBBL where you are is that the men's and women's competitions happening together rather than than apart and and playing in the big stadiums rather than in in the smaller ones i mean it seems to me the 100 model is is one that just that needs to be rolled out across the world really because 
I think it's yeah. brilliant for the women's game, but actually I think it's really good for the men's game as well. And again, considering some of the issues that the men's game is, is grappling with at the moment, to have something which is so inclusive and family friendly and just so joyful, actually I think is quite good for them as well. Yeah, I, 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 I believe that the WBBL should go back to that um, format. And, and I was probably one of the people saying they should move away from it because, um, you know, they wanted their standalone. I, I, I believe the WBBL is too long. It's 14 games. Mm. I think sometimes you just lose that edge a little bit throughout it because you sort of peak and trough where the 100 is short, sharp. You've got eight games. You've got eight meaningful games. You can't really afford to to have a bad couple of games you've got to be on it and I think actually that will produce better cricketers in the long run because they have to be um be ready and to um, and prepared to play at their absolute best every game so um I know the players here you know there's a lot of them that are, are, are talking oh we want to go back to double headers um purely because what they're seeing on tv from from the hundred and I'm actually, I sit here quite smug now because normally it's always about how good the WBBL is, how this, how that. And, and I genuinely believe, you know, this is still the best domestic competition in terms of standard and the way they've done things. I'm not in any way disputing that, but it's nice to sit there looking at us and thinking, how can we do things a little bit differently again? Um, which I don't think's often happened. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I can't, I can't, um, you know tell you enough how this tournament sort of shaped me as a coach and, and and so on and how much it's helped my development and how quickly it's you know developed me um and being around you know the organizations that I've been around so it's been um yeah it's been great for me but I think you know everyone has to look at ways mm -hmm. to improve again and I, I actually think also with the WBL they're probably they're probably getting good viewing figures at the moment but there's not many people coming to watch yeah. um so they probably need to strike that balance between, I know you're getting good viewing figures, but we they need a good product um, at the actual venue. So um, I'm sure they'll look at that. And um, But um, whether they'll reduce the amount of games, probably not. But um, I, I, I would personally recommend that because I've seen the, the, the impact the 100 had. And it's great to see some of the English players in the WBBL as well doing so well. And, and it's... I, I just think the Aussies must be getting a bit scared when they see Izzy Wong and Eve Jones playing brilliantly. And these are people that can't even get into our side at the moment. Yeah. But again, this, that wouldn't have happened had it not been for the hundred, would it? They, they, they would, they've only got these opportunities um, because of the hundred. I mean, I remember um, Trent Woodhill ringing me around Maya around playing in the, in the, yeah. for the stars. And it was after her performances, in a couple of games for us at the back end of the innings they said they wanted a number five that could strike at 140 well, I said, well that's your girl here she is um and that that's just purely come off the back of that so and it's been so lovely to see them you know come out here perform well but again the domestic structures given the the I guess the foundation to do that and and um yeah I've been really really chuffed for them I obviously spent the the flight out here with them all and they were very excited and it's really lovely it was really refreshing it was really um genuine they just were so appreciative of the opportunity to play in this comp and and you know it's a tough tough place to play it's a they're obviously it's a tough to crack as well and they've all done 
really were really well for their team so I'm I'm really pleased and um hopefully um Lindsay and Maya won't do too well today and um beat the scorches so um because um we're keeping an eye on their results at the moment yeah, and another really significant event which we actually attended was the 2017 World Cup final. And I would say that's probably the reason I play cricket now. It was just the most incredible day. Um, obviously, it's after you retired, but what was that like to see a packed out Lords and England win? Um, it was a really um well, it was a really surreal day, really, because I remember all the sort of comments going into the game were around it's going to be a full house at Lords and I I remember sort of chatting to Claire Connor on the morning of the game and we were sort of saying we've got to see this to believe it you know you just to, you know to say it and then but then to see it um and it, it was it was truly you know like as you said the a, a special day of cricket and it was like it was meant to be a bit like the men's world cup final <laughs> um yeah, to be there to witness, and and in many ways, I probably wish I wasn't commentating. I wish I'd have had more time to soak up um, the atmosphere. But it was a very different atmosphere at Lords for that final. One, people were sat in their seats and actually watching the cricket, where they weren't out on the nursery ground having uh, pims and and a few beers. Um, it was actually really nice to see, and it was it was such a you know a, a young, a family orientated crowd as well. Which um, yeah, and. I mean, it, like I say, it, it was meant to be because, you know, England at times looked that they were definitely staring down the barrel, didn't they? And and then Manu um, Shrubsol uh, turned on a magic and, um, you know, what a what a um, moment. And, um, yeah, which I think it will live with everyone that um, was there and, and witnessed that game of cricket and what a special, um, yeah, special day for everyone. It was brilliant, yeah. And we we were only kind of there. I, I mean, I didn't know any women's players at all. Never been to a women's game, but I'd sort of I wanted to take the children to Lords, and it was cheap. So I thought World Cup final that'd be really good. And you know, we'll find out who gets there. And of course, as the competition went on, we we got more interested in it. And the, and then England were there. But for Polly in particular, that was a sort of watershed moment. And you know, since then she's joined the local cricket club. She plays for the women's team there and uh, and is loving it. And and cricket's become well, it's become a bit of an obsession, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it gets that way. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> so my 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 dad, who died a couple of years ago, has left all these wisdoms, and which I grew up you know, surrounded by. And you know, we were all big cricket fans, but I never read them. Now Polly's ploughing through them and doing all her research into the women's game by finding the right page from you know Wisdom nineteen seventy eight or whatever. Um, which is just hilarious to see. I've got, I've got a question as well. I mean, when you think, you, you speak very glowingly and um, graciously about the Women's World Cup final, but I guess there was a time in your life when the plan really was that that would have been you out there and you lifting that trophy, and it didn't quite happen that way. Do you, do you still look back on that era with regret or how, how do you feel about it um well there's a yeah there's a lot of water that's gone under the bridge since then and yeah I mean look don't get me wrong you know that sort of May 2016 was probably you know the one of the hardest parts of my career god to be suddenly and really surprisingly told that you're no longer um 
wanted um yeah was 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 without doubt you know one of the toughest I mean I lost my dad in 2005 and that was about as close to um to that sort of feeling um that I'd ever had you know you know when you've done something for as long as I have and then to suddenly be told um and it not be on your own terms but you know but I try and look at everything in a positive light and um you know it's probably the best thing that happened to me really if I'm honest and and for the team and that's why I mean I didn't stick around I didn't try and fight for my place or whatever because you know no one needed that I didn't need to put myself through that and I didn't need to put the players through that either so um it was it was important that I just severed the ties and and and, and went my own way but um but yeah like obviously the plan was to play in that final but um um you know you, you don't always get what you want and and actually it's it's probably really helped me and I think I said I'm a very different coach to I am player and I think that empathy side of my coaching now because I was always the first person on the team sheet I was always um you know captain I was always ever present I never really had disappointment as a player um I truly understand that now um because of what I went through and you know the heartache and and you know the difficult time I went through so I really do think you know things happen for a reason and and I think that was my that that was what happened to me and I I, I honestly believe it, it 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 was the best thing that happened to me at the time for that for a 12-month period it was horrendous I, I really struggled um I was probably just about over it by the by the time the world cup which is good in many ways but I went out to Adelaide that winter. So I got told in the May, I went out to Australia that winter and played my last season of, of state cricket here. And I actually spent three months on my own in a flat in Adelaide. And I, I call it my grief period because that summer was so busy. We won the KSL. Mm -hmm. Everyone was chucking work at me. Everyone was, you know, feeling sorry for me. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was, to be fair, it was quite painful at times. But then I went to Adelaide and I had this, time where I was on my own and I had to deal with the fact that I um, wasn't playing for England and probably through that period I realised I didn't want to play cricket anymore which I, I needed to come to terms with that because um, I always thought that retirement would be the hardest decision of my life because I love it as you probably have um, got from how I talk about the game so it was really important that I had peace with not playing cricket again and and I and I knew I didn't want to play, but I knew I was going to go back to England. I played for um, Hampshire that summer, and I um, I played the last KSL in 2017. But I just knew I was done. I just didn't want to go out to bat anymore. I didn't want to. I, I love cap. I still love captaining, which I still do to this day. Um, but I just knew I didn't want to play, and and that was that was my that was my moment where I I knew I'd moved on, which was. Really lovely, but the three months in Adelaide was definitely the best thing I did after after trying. And um, yeah, and now I'm look where I am now. And um, yeah, I've moved my moved my life on, and and um, yeah, have I've, I've really enjoyed everything that's come with that. And now you have a cup named after you. What on earth is it like to coach a team who plays in a cup? Because it's so rare for someone to have like a cup or trophy named after them when they're still alive, especially coaching a team who's playing in it. Well, that was my exact response when I got told that they would like to name the, the T20 regional cup after me. And I was, 
and I, and I honestly didn't want to sound like I was being disrespectful or anything because I am, or I wasn't grateful. Um, but Claire Connor ran me, she said, look, we'd really like to do this. Um, and I just said, oh, is it not just a bit awkward with me coaching the team? She said, well, this is the reason why we want to do it is because you are the best T20 player. And so I understood their rationale behind it. Um, but clearly me being me, I was like, well, there's other fantastic players in the game, but Unfortunately, they didn't really play T20 cricket. So, yeah, I, I was really, really uncomfortable. Um, the players loved it. Um, <laughs> they just gave me so much, um, so much grief. I could never really, I can't even now say it. I can't even say the Charlotte Edwards Cup. I always say the T20 Cup or whatever to the players. Um, um, so, yeah. Um, Maybe you need to sell the naming the players, rights to, a, to some sort of corporation yeah. and call it the Coca-Cola Cup or something. <laughs> Yeah, I know I need to, but um, yeah, the and the players were so desperate to do well in it, um, and that's what really um, I think was really lovely. The, the you could see it genuinely; they wanted to win the Charlotte Edwards Cup for me, and I, and I was just like, like I really, honestly, didn't. It, it wasn't it wasn't something that was <laughs> burning inside of me. Of course, I want to win. Um, and they were really gutted on finals day. They thought, and I just took them in the changing room. I said, girls, like, uh, we, we actually had a really horrendous uh, bit of luck as well through that, where we'd started the comp so well. And then we had a COVID case right after the 100, where we lost um, five or six of our players. So we were massively, um, yeah. And, and Dean and Boucher had been taken away as well. So we were, we were definitely depleted. And and oh, that's not an excuse, by the way. It's just that was just how, and it and it kind of made it hard for the players, I think, as well, because they were so much more desperate. But they knew we didn't probably have the the strength in depth after losing sort of about six or seven players. So, um, but yeah, I yeah, I wasn't. I just said that it is what it is, and we'll, we weren't good enough today. And but I said what we're going to do is we're going to put everything into to winning the Rachel Hayo Flint. Now that's our focus. That's our goal now for the rest of the season and and boy did they um put everything into that um that was a roller coaster till the end of the season and um and the final yeah lived up to that massively <laughs> yeah and one of the uh someone who's really uh starred recently one of the southern vipers um is tara norris who's uh been over playing for usa i mean i didn't even realize she was born in in the usa until um i saw she was going over there um, how amazing has it been to see, you know, someone like Tara on an on an international stage, but with, you know, an associate member, but doing so well for them? Yeah, lovely. Um, you know, I I got a call around Tara probably middle of the season, and I know Julia Price, the USA coach, and she said, look, what um, is it something Tara would be interested? In? I said, look, I know Tara will be absolutely up for something like this. Um, and yeah, it took a bit of time. We had to sort of to and throw, and I think obviously it had to get sort of um, agreed through a few different um, committees in in the USA. But she, you know, she finally got the call that she was going. So yeah, you know, delighted for her. She's a great girl, um, Tara, and she would um, fit in so well in any team. Um, she loves travel, so I mean, she's had the time of her life. I keep saying, and I said, "How's the holiday going?" She's been to <laughs> Mexico, Argentina, San Francisco, and now she's in Zimbabwe. Um, so yeah, but this will be big for her in terms of her development as a cricketer, and that was one of the reasons why we wanted her to go because um, I think her batting, as you saw in the 
final is something that I I think there's there's definitely real uh, potential there and um, so to get the opportunity to potentially play more in a in a team bat at six um, and and clearly she's kicked on with the ball as well and yeah I just think just you know for her development to be in a team where she's the main player is going to be really really good for her and um, I look forward to following her over the next few weeks. Yeah and again with franchise cricket the thought of a women's IPL we spoke to Shikha Pandya a few weeks ago and we said like you know did India need to win a World Cup for that to happen and she was like I don't think that India should have to really prove themselves at international level for a women's IPL to come in do you think um, that would be really important as well and even maybe um, a franchise team in South Africa or a competition there? Yeah, I think the IPL feels the the next step, doesn't it, for for the women's cricket? It's hard to think that it's not happened with how long the the IPL's um, sort of been around now, and with the success of the Indian women's team, you know, you know, I've got to know Smriti Mandana really well, and I had dinner with her and uh, Rod- Jimmy Rodriguez um, in Adelaide, and you know, I think they're all ready for that next step of of of, of an IPL and. Um, they've absolutely loved their experiences in the 100 and 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 the WBBL so um yeah you feel it's the obvious step next is is the IPL and yeah I mean it could take cricket women's cricket to a, a whole a very different place um um but I, I absolutely agree they shouldn't have to win a world cup I think they've done enough in the last two or three years having reached two world cup finals um I'd be very unlucky to miss out on one of them and that were, you know, the star team in, in the other. So, yeah, it's, um, I mean, the, the talent they have in that country is, is unbelievable. I mean, just watching, you know, Rodriguez and, 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 and Smitty and, you know, Gosh playing here. I think that's been a real high, a core. I mean, she's been probably the player of the tournament. Um, they look like they're, they're shaping up really nicely for, for the winter ahead. So, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty exciting time for, for the Indian team. Yeah, I mean, when we when we talked talk to Shikha Pandey, I, I put it to her that they must be amongst the favourites. Really, they've they've got a really good chance of winning the uh, the World Cup. Looking at, you know, essentially they've got the, the core of the team from twenty seventeen still there. Uh, you know, Jalan Goswami, who uh, thought was about to retire in twenty seventeen, still going, <laughs> and, and and is brilliant. But they've got these, you know, new up and coming tam- talents like Jamie Rodriguez and um, and uh, Shivali Verma. You know. Yeah. If they're all firing on the same day, no one has a chance, do they? Yeah, their, their batting is is particularly strong. I think probably the area where you feel is maybe their bowling, but for Straker, I thought she was um, really really good in the Aussie series. I mean, I'm I get I got to watch a lot of that in quarantine. Actually, that was quite a <laughs> highlight of quarantine. Um, yes, and yeah, I, I and and I, I when I've spoken to Smitty, I've said, oh. You know, is 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 there a lot of talent coming through? She's gone so much, Charlotte, so much. She went like that to me, and so I think you know it's the tip of the ice. But you know, I think there's so much um, to come from Indian cricket. Um, yeah, so I think they're going to be the team to follow over the over the next year, few years. I think, um, and yeah, you you feel this is their chance really with the team they've got and. Um, you know, with the players like Goswami and Raj potentially at their last last World Cup. 
And um, you spoke a bit about doing commentary. Uh, what have you done so far in the media? And is that something you want to continue doing? Because I've seen you walking around cricket grounds sometimes and I've been at the games um, and it, it looks just so much fun to do. Yeah, I've, I've had a lot of fun doing commentary. It was a really good um, thing to go into post-playing because I think I had that separation from from being involved. And, and you know what, when you turn up at a, a, a game to commentate you really don't care who wins or loses you're just sort of there and you're commentating on the game and there's no pressure that comes with it so it was actually a really really nice and uh, thing to do post playing um I think you know I, I've obviously still do quite a bit and I really really enjoy it I really enjoy it now more because now I'm coaching it's a nice day out from from dealing with the with the girls if I'm honest I get a bit of quiet time um and I work with some really lovely people and play players that I've played with and, and the guys that, um, you know, you have good banter with. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's really enjoyable. Um, I think probably I had to make a call whether I, if something I wanted to pursue further. And I think that's when I realised coaching was the, the one passion I've got. I kept going back to, as I said probably earlier, like, you know, being involved in cricket you know I had that four years where I probably wasn't as involved as 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 I would not like just I think it was a good choice um but yeah I um yeah it's, I think I've got a really nice balance to to what I do now and um but cricket and coaching is at the forefront of that and um if I get to go on tv for a little bit it's it's quite nice and it's quite a, a nice change from the day job and to kind of sum up, um, like from your either your cricket career or just uh, England women's cricket in general, what do you think has been the most significant um, either event or thing that has uh, progressed women's cricket? Jeez, that's a big question. Um, sorry, my my battery's getting low. Um, what's been the most most significant I think there's been some really big steps along the way um I think the the professionalization of the game in in 2013 um was 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 huge for for the sport um I think the 2017 World Cup win but I I genuinely believe the 100 it, it will have this summer has had the biggest impact on, on the game. You know, I've, I've not seen people talk about women's cricket as much as they have and as passionately and, and excited as they have been about women's cricket this summer. And I, I genuinely believe it's been a game changer for the sport. And um, yeah, which, um, which is pretty incredible thinking some of the things that have happened in the last five, 10 years, because, uh, you know, you genu I genuinely have to pinch myself every 12 months because there's something happening there's some new initiative or um announcement and yeah to keep up with it all and yeah is 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 yeah it's incredible for someone who's been around the game for, for as long as I have and um this episode is actually going to go out on Christmas Eve as our Christmas special uh, so we have got some Christmassy questions although it is the middle of November um so Firstly, where's like the best place you've ever spent Christmas? Best space, place I've ever spent. I spent it in um, 2000 and 
2019 in Queenstown in New Zealand. Mm, Yeah, and that was that was lovely. But you can't beat home. You really can't. Um, And I've not spent many Christmases at home, let me tell you, over the last um, 20 years. And um, either you or your family, do you have any kind of strange Christmas traditions that most people don't have? Uh, I don't think so. Um, Nothing to... Just my mum cooks a lot of food and, um, yeah, generally probably am am quite heavy after um, a Christmas period with with my family. What is the best item of a Christmas dinner? Oh, oh, my mum's roast potatoes. My brother, um, we're potato farmers, so the roast potatoes are are up there as the the best thing. And uh, your favourite Christmas song? Um... All I want for Christmas is you. Uh, Mariah. Yeah. See, I'd I yeah. thought it a fairy tale of New York, but um, no. Uh, okay. It felt so wrong to ask Christmas questions in the middle of November. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah, you you definitely that's definitely got me thinking because normally <laughs> I, I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> Lottie, thank you so much for you being so generous with your time it's absolutely brilliant of you we're, we're so appreciative and uh, you know we we're just kind of doing this homemade podcast really on recording it on our phone on polly's phone and uh, it's just amazing to to know that people like you and people around the world are, are, are listening to it and are, are enjoying it so um thank you no pleasure lovely and i hope it goes well and if you need any help just um you know give me a shout thank you so much yeah it was amazing pleasure waking up on a Monday morning and seeing that I had a Twitter DM for you I was very shocked <laughs> it was a good way to start the week it would be fair to say you got me you got it got me through my flight from Mackay to Adelaide so thank you very much oh oh brilliant um thank yeah you. And, and all the best for the match later today yeah yeah no I'm um, I'm just going to get myself ready and, and get to the ground um in a bit so um yeah looking forward to hopefully we can get the win that we need to to get through to the semis and then we'll see where we're going from there really but um yeah hopefully fingers crossed brilliant yeah we're supporting renegades but we hope you do well today anyway oh no they're my second favorite team so um <laughs> yeah brilliant thank you so right. much thank you see you bye. soon pleasure Bye-bye. to meet you cheers bye, yeah. bye. Polly, this has mm-hmm. turned into our longest ever episode. This probably will be. I think this and Henry Moran's episode are definitely the longest. That was an hour 25. I think this will be an hour 35, maybe. Wow. So, so if you've stuck if all you've... the way to this long, well... <laughs> well done. Endurance. But, you know, it's Christmas time. Also, a lot, I just want to say a lot of people, certainly in the UK, are in isolation. Mm. So if you've got nothing to do, I mean, this would have been the perfect. Thing. The perfect thing. But also, yeah, if you are isolating on Christmas, I feel very sorry for you because the last week has felt like dodging bullets. Mm. Um, yeah, just everyone dropping light flies. Everyone's got COVID. Um, so, yeah, I hope everyone's safe over Christmas. And if it's possible, see family, friends. I know a lot of plans have been cancelled and stuff for people, which... It's a real shame because I think after last year, everyone just wants a normal Christmas um, because 
last year was just unbelievable really um and as of the 22nd the evening of the 22nd there are no more restrictions in the uk mm-hmm. um so hopefully people's plans don't get ruined even more um but if you if your plans have been ruined i really hope this podcast has brought you a bit of joy <laughs> and something to listen to yes and, and enjoy being close to the people that you love yeah. at this time i think that's really important mm-hmm. that's what we really appreciate to get this yeah. time together um mm-hmm. with our family so uh, yeah. with my mum and then my sister's coming mm-hmm. over in a few days time as well yeah so we will have an episode out next week next friday at 6 a.m as usual and that's going to be our new year special so we're going to do a big review mm-hmm. of the cricket year really um so get in contact with us i'll put the questions in the bio i'll put them on instagram and twitter but i think we're going to go for like best cricket game best mm-hmm. moment like best cricket moment mm-hmm. um best innings ma- best innings yeah best building performance yeah um best tournament because there have been so many tournaments mm-hmm. um maybe even best team out of like 100 wbbl international <sighs> so much competition um but yeah i'll we'll come up with some and we'll put them on instagram twitter get in contact like last week we'll try and answer as many as possible um because we love when people get in contact with us. It's pretty cool to see and, I don't know, speak to the people that have um, listened to us for however long. Mm-hmm. Um, so, shall we give some clues for our guests next week? Yes, someone from our city. Someone from our city who is going to Australia. Mm. That's it. I'm not going to say anything else. I think because anything else will give it away. Because <laughs> uh, that's really quite niche. <laughs> Um, but yeah we'll see you next week hopefully New Year's Eve and yeah if your New Year's plans are cancelled then listen to us <laughs> so have a wonderful Christmas in the meantime you can follow us on Instagram at North Child Podcast on Twitter at OO Child Podcast um, YouTube and TikTok are North Child Podcast and on YouTube all the episodes put on there um, I don't think there's anything else that we have I don't know, but follow us on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. And I think now on Spotify, you can give ratings. You can't leave a comment, but you can put out five stars. So please give us five stars. If you put anything less than that, just don't even think about putting it. Um, I don't want bad reviews. Um, <laughs> and I mean, you can re- review us on Apple as well, where you can leave a comment. Um, and yeah, get in touch with us. <laughs>